I hope you're ready. So I have a question for you. Are you ready for God's word? Amen. I got another question for you, and that is, you, you saw the video that I did? Um, I thought I looked thinner than, than that. I think, the ca- I think the camera adds 30 pounds. I, I don't know. I just, I, that was just my thing. But uh, I want you to, to pull out uh, your word. Hold it up. Hold up your word. If you have your Bible with you, I want to encourage you to bring a written copy of God's Word. Amen? And uh, I also want to encourage you that because we live in interesting times. Come on, how many of us can at least admit, I may not know exactly what's going on, but there is definitely something going on, right? There's all kinds of things happening. Sometimes I feel like people are losing their minds. They're doing the craziest things. It's like, wait a minute, I don't think they did that when I was a kid. You know, something's going on here. And so I want you to know that if you are living in this age, in this time, this perilous times, I want you to know something. You are like a Navy SEAL. You're like a Green Beret. You're like, I'm not kidding. You are like God's special forces team because he appointed you for such a time as this. He knew you were going to be born in this difficult age. And to be, to, to be a Christian in this age, oh, you've got, to be, you've got to be tough. This is not for wimps. I mean, you've got to be rock solid in your faith. And so I want you to start bringing your word out because your word is what God uses to, to create what he has for you. He's trying to fashion you into something really special. And and I want to share something with you. That um, sometimes when I used to say things in the past that seemed prophetic, I say seemed prophetic because they weren't really prophetic. And the reason why I say that is because it, it doesn't take a prophet to look at the circumstances and say, this is where we're headed. I mean, this is kind of what the natural outcome is going to be. And, and I'll, I'll share this with you because about 10 years ago, I remember talking about aliens and everybody looked at me like I was nuts. Woo, okay, he's one of those kind of pastors. And, then, and, and most people were like, okay, our pastor kind of gets a little crazy once in a while, but oh, he, he, most of the time he keeps it between the lines, you know. But can I tell you something? Um, now who's laughing? I mean, Congress is talking about it. It's on every newsstand, every news program. It's constantly being pushed out there. So I want you to think about some things with me. Uh, for instance, I want you to carry a, hard, a hardcover Bible or a hard copy because there will be a time where your Bible will not be readily accessible online. You won't be able to just go online and expect to get what you have today. Okay? Now, if that makes, if, if you look at me and go, oh, you're being conspiracy. No, no, I'm just telling you what the Bible tells us, that Christians aren't always going to be welcomed, and God's Word's not always going to be welcomed. So begin to understand how to use your Bible that you have in your own home, that you know how to uh, navigate it, where to find this and that, because you won't be able to go to Google and say, Google, take me to, or what does it say about, or... You hear me? You hear me? You need to, you need to be uh, well studied. Amen? Now, that was extra. All right. If you're ready for God's word, here we go. 
Today I want to talk to you about guarding your heart. Guarding your heart. And it's the last message of the, break, the, the Breaking Point series. In fact, the heart is so important. It's extremely, extremely important. God tells us over and over how important the heart is. But what I want to remind you of is, is one of the most important verses about the heart is found in, in Proverbs chapter 4 where he says, above all else, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. In fact, life is all about having the right heart. And God wants you to be fully alive in him. In fact, St. Irenaeus said it this way. And, and I've read many articles about this quote. In fact, um, an author that I enjoy reading is, is John Eldridge. And, and he, wrote, he wrote about this quote in one of his books called Waking the Dead. He, he wrote, the glory of God is man fully alive. Now he's quoting St. Irenaeus. And I want you to think about that quote. The glory of God is man, that means you and me, fully alive. That means we represent God on the earth and we bring him glory when we live life to the fullest. After all, isn't that why Jesus came? That we might have life and live it in an abundant way? But how many of us have noticed that life doesn't always turn out the way you think? In fact, life can be hard. I'm reminded of one time when when uh, I was a young guy, I was a young kid, I was nine years old, and I kept asking my dad for a go-kart, and, 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 and he just wouldn't do it, and he says, we don't have the money for it, and plus, I don't want you to get hurt. He had all kinds of excuses, and then one glorious day, I walk into Super S. You go, what's Super S? That's the grocery store before H-E-B and Walmart, you know? And Bastrop was a small community, and they had a Super S, and right in front, there was a huge Coca-Cola display. Oh, it was marvelous with the top being crowned with a Coca-Cola goat cart. And it said Coca-Cola, and it was beautiful, candy apple red. You know what I'm talking about. And I just knew I had to win that cart. It said register to win. And so anytime my parents wanted to go to the store, I'd go, ooh, I'll go with. And I'd sit there at the front of the store by that display, and I'd fill out, I'd fill out the little cards, the little raffle cards until my hand cramped. And then I just did the best I could and I'd stuff the box. And then God's already forgiven me on this, so, so don't judge me. But when no one was looking, I would take the registration pack and I'd stuff it in my pocket. I'd go home and I'd fill out more at home. And I'd come back and I was ready, right? I just so those of you who don't believe that people stuff ballot boxes, they actually do, you know, they actually do, doesn't matter what the government tells you. Uh, <laughs> bad, am I a bad pastor? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Too soon? Too soon. <laughs> you know, okay, but, but listen, I'm praying for this, for this, and sometimes that's how we do God. We try to help him, don't we? <laughs> And so I tried to help God along, and then I got the call, and I won the cart. I couldn't believe I was so happy, and I couldn't wait for my dad to take me. <laughs> Look, you can't believe it. It's me. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so 
he takes us out to the church uh, to the church property. See, the church property, Primera Baptist Church, right here on the side of the highway, uh, right across from the river, they own the whole block. And he says, you have run of the whole, the whole church property. I just need you to understand, don't hit the truck. And he parked the truck right in the middle of the field. He goes, you can go anywhere you want on this field, just don't hit the truck. How many of you know when you tell your child, don't hit the truck, don't break the dishes, especially not that dish, it's important to your mom, what does the kid do? <laughs> and so he says, don't hit the truck. And all I kept thinking is, don't hit the truck. Don't hit the truck. And my eyes were just focused on the and the more I looked at the truck, the more I feared towards it. And then I realized something, that, man, this car goes faster than I thought. For a nine-year-old kid, it was like lightning quick. It was like, whoa, these guys are irresponsible at Coke. They go way too fast. How many of you have realized that life goes way too fast? Anyone realize that yet? Anyone realize that it's not exactly what you thought? That you had this amazing idea of what it would be like in your mind, but then you get behind the wheel of life, so to speak, and you start realizing, oh, wow, it's more challenging than I ever thought. And so my brother's with me, and he's like, don't hit the truck, Chris. And the more I kept thinking about don't hit the truck, the closer I got to the truck. Why was I going, like, right by the truck? And I'd go right by the truck, and every time I was like, ah, don't hit. And my dad's screaming at me, you're going to hit the truck guess what I did? I hit the truck. And I hit it so hard, it broke the steering column. And that's a big, thick piece of steel. And it broke. And the tailgate, because I hit it like this from the back, the tailgate was down where my dad was sitting until I had him scream off the tailgate, you know, because I came in, plowed into it. It broke and it stopped an inch from my chest. It could have killed me and my brother. And so my dad took us out of there. I can never forget the ride home. He was super quiet, and he just kept thanking the Lord that we were still alive. And he said, I don't think we're going to do that again. Can I tell you? Something went wrong that day. Something went wrong. So I want to share with you what we're going to talk about today in light of my little story. And it will make sense as we put it all together. But I want to talk to you about guard your heart. Then I'm going to go to, you were created fully alive. But something definitely went wrong. Why? Because you're at war, and it's time to wake up. And it's time to wake up. Are you with me? If you're with me, let's talk about this idea of the heart, because the heart is the most special gift God has given you. In fact, it represents his likeness in you. His likeness in you. It's a glorious, amazing, awesome gift that allows you to feel zeal. It allows you to feel passion and love, joy and peace, togetherness, camaraderie, care and concern, courage. It allows you to be brave. The heart, more importantly, allows you to enter into relationship in love. Greatest of those is your relationship of love with him. With him. Think about how awesome the heart is. Now do you understand why the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart? 
You hear the Bible say things like this, thy word I have hidden in my, in my what? Heart. Thy word I hide it in my heart. Why? That I may stay in relationship with you, God. The Bible goes on to talk a lot about the heart. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. In Jeremiah, the Bible says, I the Lord. God is speaking here to us. And he says, I the Lord search all hearts. Think about that. God is searching your heart. He's searching all of our hearts right now. And why is he searching? He's searching to examine our motives. Why are you here? Is it because someone pestered you to be here? Is it because your parents drug you here? You know, there was once a young man who moved into a neighborhood and he bought a house there and it was an elderly neighborhood and immediately he started helping all of his neighbors. He would help them do this, he would help them do that. And the neighbors got together and said, that young man is really special. Someone needs to talk to him and find out how he was raised. And so they go and they ask him, we couldn't help but notice you're super kind, considerate. Are you a Christian? And, and, uh, and, and how were you raised? And, and he says, well, you have to understand when I was young, I had a drug problem. And immediately the neighbors said, whoa, drug problem. Yeah. You see, when I was a kid, my mama drugged me to church. And my daddy drugged me to Wednesday night. And my mama drugged me to Sunday night. And they drugged me to church every time the doors were open. See, I had a drug problem. You know, some of us need to get a drug problem. Amen. Some of you are like, I don't know if I want to say amen to that. But what I mean by that is get God deep in our heart where we make him the priority. Where was I going with that? I don't even remember. No, I do. I do. I do remember. The truth of the matter is, why are you here? Is it that you're being drugged to church? Well, let me tell you something. Replace that, that thing that, that says, I have to be there with, I get to be there. I get to be there. Why? Because the Lord is searching and his eyes roam to and fro, looking for those whose hearts are set on him that he may what? Strengthen them. That he may bless them. If your heart is loyal to God, God will bless you. Why is this so important? Because the end of the day, it's, it's our heart that matters. Come on, without heart, you cannot accomplish anything. How many of you have seen a fighter or a, an athlete or someone with tremendous ability but no heart? And yet you have those with limited ability and yet nothing but heart and they excel I can tell you it was so beautiful watching my my team get their heart back Baylor's been having a tough time here lately and I was about to quit on them <laughs> yesterday they fell down 28 points behind 28 points they looked like they were done but our quarterback he just came back he has heart and you know what he did? He ignited the entire team. He ignited the team to play like they've never played before. Biggest comeback in school history happened yesterday. At, and they were away. They weren't at home. They were playing away. And I'll tell you what happened. It was beautiful. 
Uh, Blake Chapin, the little quarterback, he's little. He's not big. He's not, he's not anything super special. But his heart, you could tell how much heart he has at the end of the game. His collar has been stretched. His, his, his jersey is ragtag. It's marked all over. He looks like he's been to war and back. You know why? Because he did. He went to war and he got the whole team rallied behind him. And can I tell you, that's what you're called to do. You're called to live with so much heart and so much passion and so much purpose and so much dedication and so much zeal that those around you want to live better themselves. That your family would be better because a man of heart lives in that home. That your family, uh, your exterior family would want to be better because they've associated with you. That your co-workers, that your, that your peers, that everyone around you would catch that contagious heart that God put in you. You say, but pastor, where does it go? I'll tell you where it goes. It gets attacked. But before we talk about it being attacked, I want you to know how important it was for the Apostle Paul to have people wake up to the idea that your heart is so important and to want their heart to see again. See again. This is what he wrote to the Ephesian church. Read it with me. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That you would once again see how awesome life is and that you get to live it. That you get to live it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. That we would be full of passion. Come on, how many of us remember singing that song? It swept throughout the church, right? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see. Come on. To see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Think about this with me for a second. What are we singing? What are we, we're singing scripture. And the reason it's swept throughout the church is because we all know deep inside that something is missing. That this life tends to beat you up. That you tend to look at what you're not supposed to look at and end up wrecking right into it. And it scares the tar out of you. And yet God is saying, open the eyes of your heart. And you know where the eyes of your heart get opened? It's right there in verse 4 of that, of that first chapter. We read verse 18, but go back with me to verse 4, and it says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. What is he saying? He's saying God chose you before the world was even formed. He already knew you and he loved you. And watch what else it says. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Because he wanted to and it brought him pleasure and he loved you. He wanted you to be his son. To be his daughter. Now watch this. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Oh, that just sounds amazing to me. To the praise of of the glory of his grace. We didn't deserve it, but thank you, God, that you love me anyway. That you love me anyway, by which we 
He made us acceptable in the beloved. And now Paul is saying, do you see what God did for you? Open the eyes of your heart again. Think about it for just a second. See, you were created fully alive. You were created to be fully alive. This is what it's called, the imago dia. The imago dia literally means, and it comes from the Latin, which means the image of God. You were created to reflect God's fullness in the earth. This is what he says in the creation account. Read it with me. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind. Now stay with me when I, when I read this because this, this is very important. He wants you to know that he created living creatures according to their kind. Now watch. Cattle and creeping things and the beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and he was pleased. Now, why did the Bible go into according to its kind? Why? Because we're about to go into the next verse. Watch what the next verse says. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image. Now, why did he put that there? Because he wants you to know that it wasn't evolution. You're not an accident. God was divine. He was intentional. He had a plan, and it was you that you might be fully alive, bringing him glory. Bringing him glory as you live to the fullest way possible. Now, I want you to think about what Satan has been up to. Satan has been perpetuating and pushing this lie of evolution. And do you know something? Evolution is not a fact. It's a theory. And a theory is it's our best guess based on what we see. And, and Darwin said, one day the fossil record will prove us right. What is the fossil record? The fossil record is all the fossils that come out of the ground. We will find a transition species. And now... Scientists are not being people of integrity in the sense that they are redefining what species means. So let's just go back to the biblical term and say we have never found a fossil that jumps kind. That started off this kind and went to another kind. Never. And Darwin said that the fossil record would prove it right. Well, the fossil record has proved it wrong in the Bible writes. The Bible right. If you go do research, the so-called transition fossils that they find have all been monkeyed and have been altered by the so-called scientists that are supposed to be people of integrity. They've been shaved. They've been altered. They've been filed down. They've been literally manipulated to look like a what? transition to transitional fossil. But God's word is right. You say, Pastor, why are you putting this out? Why are you being so strong about this? The reason I'm being so strong about this is because I want you to understand the devil's lie. He doesn't care about the animals. He cares about you. Because the glory of God is man fully alive. You fully alive and understanding that God loves you and wants a relationship with you. And if he can convince you that you're an accident, then why would you ever need a God? God had no part in your making, 
But yet the Bible says he made you. Now watch this. Watch, watch where I'm going with this. Because this is deep. Are you ready? Are you with me? Now watch this. Then the Lord said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We're called to rule. We're called to represent our king as we represent his likeness with his heart. With his heart. Now watch this. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Now watch this. Male and female. Do you realize this beautiful, glorious thing, this imago Deo, literally means that you were created intentionally male or female. Now do you see the lie and where it's headed? The lie of evolution is headed to the point that you may not be male. You may not be female. You may be. But can I tell you, if you want to truly, fully live, then you bring God glory according to his purpose. And he didn't make mistakes. He didn't make mistakes. And as you see this lie being perpetuated and being told more and more and more, you don't see people more satisfied. You see them more dissatisfied, more discontentment, more anger. And the only cure for that is Jesus Christ and knowing that you are specially created for him, by him, for a purpose. And that if he made you a male, you are called to experience the beauty of his image in your masculinity and if he made you a female you were called to experience the beauty of his image in your femininity and that God has an amazing plan for your life don't buy the lie of the enemy don't buy the lie of the enemy do you hear me it's right there but something went wrong what went wrong well if you go to chapter three we know that that God said, hey, you can have full run of the whole property, just don't hit the truck in the middle of the garden, <laughs> right? Don't eat the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. And so, so the enemy shows up in the form of a snake and he says, hey, did God really say? Isn't it interesting how the enemy always questions God? So I just want to share something with you, church. If you're ever questioning the Bible, something explicit that God said in the God's word, you know it's the enemy. I've had people say to me, you know, I'm talking to them about salvation. They're like, well, I, I need to pray about, you know, if I should get saved. I'm like, that's the enemy. You don't have to pray about getting saved. The Bible says, get saved. Today is the day of your salvation. Give God your heart. Amen. Come fully alive in him. You know, others say, well, I'm praying if I should get baptized. You don't have to pray about getting baptized. I'm praying about serving. You can pray about where to serve, but not whether you should serve. The Bible says, serve the Lord. Amen. And so when, when the Bible says something explicitly, just do it. Because the enemy will always come and say, did God really say that? And then watch his next trick. He wants to convince you that God is holding back from you. That God is somehow keeping his best from you. You know, that's a lie from the pit of hell. God wants his, God wants his absolute best for you. And he always says, you know, did God really say that? You shouldn't drink, dance, or chew, or hang around the girls that do. You know, 
And he says, did God really say that? He's holding back from you. It's so much fun. What he doesn't tell you is what I learned the hard way, that you end up broke, busted, and disgusted. That you end up hung over, that you end up completely feeling ashamed, that you end up thinking, how did I end up here? What am I doing with my life? There's got to be more purpose. i got to get out of this hole. Amen? You know, God's not holding back from you. He wants the best for you. And so this is what happens. They fall, they fall victim. They have the enemy attack their heart. And they end up in this place, verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now I want you to think about this. So God comes walking in the cool of the day. This was his habit. Come on, dads, how many of you have ever come home and had your children run to greet you? And they run to greet you and they start telling you of all they learned. I learned how to do this puzzle and I learned this word and I did this flip, dad. Watch, I can do a handstand, right? And you have to watch the feet because they won't hit you. And they're they're just sharing with you. And then they want to wrestle with you. And this is the relationship Adam had with with his father. Why? Because his heart was right. But in this moment, something changed. Now notice what God does. He doesn't scream at Adam. Where are you? He doesn't say, I know what you've done. Get out here. Notice what he does. Come on, dads. How many of you have ever come home and your son, your daughter doesn't greet you? Your wife doesn't greet you? Something's going on. Moms, you come home and and there's something off in the greeting and you know something's gone awry. And you look and you see behind the curtain some toes. And then you look over in the corner and there's a broken lamp. There's a broken fixture. There's something that's gone wrong. And you say, I wonder where my wonderful son is. I wonder where my amazing daughter is. You already know, but you ask the question, why did God ask this question? For his sake or for Adam's sake? He's trying to help him understand the same thing we need to understand today. Where am I at and where has my heart gone? Why don't I feel that love I once felt when I first was saved? When I first gave my life to the Lord and he brought me alive in Christ. So he says, where are you? And listen to what Adam says. I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he hid himself in the trees, and he covered himself. Both of them covered themselves with fig leaves because that's what happens when we have our heart hurt. We become insecure. We become frightened. We become resentful, fearful, all of these things. And so we hide from God. We pull back from God. We pull back from each other, and we cover up. How do we cover up? We cover up with all sorts of different things. Some of us cover up with our abilities, others cover up with our personality, others cover up with our accomplishments, others cover up with all, with our anger. And I want you to think about this, and God is saying, my glory is you fully alive. Not you hiding in the bushes, not you covering up, not you wanting to be special by trying to accomplish the world's way. And so some of us have given ourselves to a worldly what? Affirmation, because we desperately need affirmation. And come on, all of us do. 
I mean, when I was a young pastor, I used to come down and make a beeline for my wife. Go, how do I do? Because I wanted my wife to do what she always does. Say, you did amazing, baby. Come on, how many of you know that, wives, you can make your husbands great just by affirming them? Because we all need that affirmation. And here God is saying to you, I love you. Where are you? I love you. Give me your heart back. In fact, I love you so much that I'm willing to come to you, hang on a cross, and prove it that you might know fully, fully, fully that I intend you to be fully alive in me. Amen. And so this is amazing because then he says, I'm naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? Well, something changed in Adam's heart. Now do you see why the Apostle Paul says, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would come back alive, not just the eyes in your head. Because he wants us to know that Jesus came, that we might have life and live it in the fullest way possible. The fullest way possible. That's why he came to save you. That you might be excited about life. That you might get up and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I get to be an amazing father. I get to be an amazing wife. I get to go out there and share the goodness of the Lord. Yeah, things might not be perfect, but I am an overcomer in Christ's name. Amen? That's what he's called us to. But pastor, somehow I started that way, but... Something went wrong. Okay, so I finally talked my dad into fixing the go-kart. We begged him, we'll, we'll never do that again, Dad. And he said, some of it was my fault. I put the truck right in the middle, and then I asked you all to kind of ride around the truck, and, and we focused too much on the truck. This time, the truck will be where it was last time, but you're going to go on the road. You have the entire block now, and we want you to stay on the road. I need to teach y'all how to operate on the road. And so he gave us a bunch of pointers. We were excited. I get in the car. I start going, right? And I'm like, man, I got way more confidence this time. I got more confidence. I kind of know what to expect. Everything's going super awesome. Then my, my younger brother's waving me down, and I pull over, and he says, I want to go with you. So he jumps in, and Mickey, his friend, jumps in the back. And so there's three of us going down the road. And it's not long before... Isaac says, let's see what this baby will do. You know, he's like, come on, Chris, go for it. Everything's going good. So we started going, and I could just hear it, man. I roll the windows down, turn the radio up, and let the wind blow through my hair. Love is. I don't know Alabama. Come on now, guys. I'm, I'm in Texas, right? No. Okay, so, so he's, I'm riding down the road. Everything's going great. I keep building speed and keep building speed, keep building speed. And then the curve comes. And I kid you not, I take that curve at full speed. I just, it's sliding till it couldn't slide anymore and it tumped. It went over on its back and I slid across the pavement. It hit the ditch, the bar ditch, and then it flipped some more. Mickey, who was in the back, ended up in the, like, two neighbors down. He's passed out in the yard. We have, you know, and, and someone in the first service said, Pastor, you should talk about the importance of wearing a helmet. You know, th this is back when kids were tough and there was no helmets. You know, this is back when dad would go, come here. He'd spit on, your, on his hand and just rub it off. Well, guess what? He couldn't rub it off. I had blood coming down. I had my shoulder was scraped up. It looked bad. Guess what he did? 
He picked us all up. He apologized to Mickey's parents. He put us in the truck, took the little car home, put it in the backyard, and there it sat till it rotted. Can I tell you, some of us have taken a spill in life and we've parked in a safe place and we're just waiting for glory. We're just saying, well, and we say things like this. Well, maybe I won't have anything on this side, but maybe on the other side. I guess this is as good as it's going to be, but when I get to glory, in the sweet by and by, but God called you to live life to the fullest from here through eternity. Because eternal life starts the day you meet Jesus. You say, but pastor, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand the divorce I went through. Hello. You don't understand. I got all scraped up. You don't understand the business partner that did me wrong. You don't understand the way he abused me. You don't understand the hurt I went through from that church, from that pastor who lied to me. You don't understand. And so we get beat up and we get scraped up and we get knocked down and the enemy wants desperately, desperately to render you to the backyard to safety and tranquility and for you not to make any waves because if he can't send you to hell, it may, at least maybe he can render you useless to the kingdom of God. But God says, I want you fully alive because you represent my likeness in the earth. You're called to inspire others. You're called to live in such a way that others want what you have. That's what you're called to do. Yes, I understand it's going to be hard. Yes, I understand it's going to be discouraging. Yes, I understand you're going to go through a lot and you're going to feel like giving up. But if you would just step back and re-engage... Are you telling me if I re-engage, the enemy will leave me alone? No, it'll get worse. <laughs> it'll get worse, but where's your courage? Where's your heart? You get one life to live for your king, to do exploits for him, to do something mighty in faith, to have the Holy Spirit fill you full of his power, that you might do the unexpected, that you might go beyond your abilities. And experience a mighty move of God. Oh, think about it. I don't want to just exist in my marriage. I want to love passionately. You know what my wife said the other day? It was the greatest compliment ever. She said this to me. She says, man, after all these years of marriage, I'm realizing more and more and more my favorite time is when we sleep together. Not like, oh, shoot. That sounds like... Oh my goodness. (laughs) Let's pray. Let us pray. (laughs) That's not what I meant. I meant she, never mind. Just laying in the same bed together. Yeah, just there's no recovery from that. Come on, how many of you want to have an amazing marriage? Have your children excited about the things of God. Be a great father. You say, but pastor, I'm already done being a father because my children have moved on. You're not done. You're called to be a patriarch. You're called to be a father of fathers. 
that your grandchildren would look to you, that you keep the entire clan of your family together for the Lord. Amen? That's what we're called to do. You say, but pastor, why is it so hard? The reason it's so hard, Jesus told us in that same verse, I've come that you might have life. But before he said that, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So I'm telling you, when you step forward for the Lord, the enemy's going to come against you. But greater is he who is within you, the power of Holy Spirit to overcome the enemy. He says, take heart, I've overcome him. And so can you. So can you. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Amen? He lives in you. And so, so this is what I want to share with you as we finish. You're at war. Get comfortable with that fact. See, some of us don't see it that way. And we're trying to live this life that doesn't include the concept of war. But you're at war. Jesus said, you're going to have abundant life, but first the enemy's going to try to kill you. You say, Pastor, I, I, I just don't see it that way. That's not the way I read the Bible. Well, what Bible are you reading? Because the Bible says over and over and over, it talks about war. Think about this with me for a second. Kaysen, when God rescued his people from, from Egypt, he fought for them. He went to war for them. And when they finally got free, Egypt changed their mind. Pharaoh changed their mind. And he had to go to war again. And he drowned all of the Egyptian soldiers in the Red Sea. You say, oh, but that's just two occurrences. How about when, he, when they went to the promised land? They had to fight for the promised land. In fact, the Bible says that the, that the Jewish people, his people, called him a mighty warrior. They sang a song of praise to God. said, our God is a mighty warrior. And his name is the Lord Jehovah. The Bible says that he will be at war against what? The Amalekites. That's Satan's people from generation to generation. He'll be, a, he'll be at war against the enemy and, it's, and his evil. You go, Pastor, but, but yeah, they had to fight for the promised land. They had to fight to keep the promised land. They had to fight to expand the promised land. They had to fight at every turn. And God went before them because he is a God of war. Say, Pastor, but that's the Old Testament. Okay, how about the New Testament? When Jesus was born, he had to fight for his life. Herod tried to kill him. He had to fight for his life. The Bible puts it this way, that there was a great epic battle in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, and the red dragon rose up to kill the child. And there was a fight in heaven with, the, with Satan and his angels against the archangel Michael and God cast him out of heaven and now he fights in the second heaven which is the spiritual realm and Paul says put on the full armor of God because you will be involved in that fight you will take heart Paul says take heart come on now oh, I don't want to fight you don't have a choice take heart your king is with you Fight for the heart of your king. Amen? And so this is where we finish. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. The Bible says it clearly. How do we wake up? Well, the Bible says, have no fellowship with the things of darkness. What does he mean by that? Have no fellowship with, with the unfruitful works of the darkness, but rather expose them. He's saying, hey, declare your position. Come out of Babylon. I'm not like the world. 
I'm ready to live for you, Lord, full-heartedly. And then watch what he says. He says, awake. Keep going. Awake, you who sleep. Rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And this is where we finish. As we get ready for Jesus' return, the Bible says that the prophecies will come to light in the last generation. I believe right now the prophecies are coming to light every single day. The Bible also promises, listen to me very closely, that those who are wise, what does it say there? Walk as a wise man. Walk wisely, not foolishly. Because he says those that are wise will understand the prophecies. Hmm. I want to be wise. How can I be wise? You wake up. You say, Lord, I want my heart back. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I want to be what it was. I want to be how it was when I first trusted you. But I've learned a few things. I've learned to trust you that much more. You say, okay, watch. That's called the fear of the Lord. Do you realize that when you fear the Lord, not fear God in that I feel insecure, therefore, no. The fear of the Lord that God describes as a good thing is not hiding in the bushes, but living in the light. What does that mean? I fear disappointing you more than I fear disappointing the world. I fear being away from you, Lord. I fear going back to my old life. I'll never go back. Amen? I'm living for you from this moment on. And so when you fear the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. And when you have wisdom, he'll begin to show you he's coming back. Did I tell you about Christmas? That was second service. Okay. How many of you know when you see Christmas displays and the lights being put up and the merchandise start coming out, you know when you see that, Thanksgiving is around the corner. Isn't that true? And so when you see these prophecies being fulfilled because you are living in the fear of the Lord and wisdom fills your heart, right? And now you can see with the eyes of your heart that he's coming back and it starts beating for him, then you know these signs indicate he's around the corner. He's around the corner. Can I tell you? He, we're not at the end. We're at the beginning of the end. We're not at the end. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're not at the end. We're at the beginning of the end. And it's time your heart beats for your king. Amen? It's the night before your wedding. The groom is coming for you. Let your heart beat for him. Amen? Let your heart beat for him. You may have taken a spill. You may have gotten beat up a little bit. You're not dead. Dust yourself off. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, get back in the fight. Get back in the fight. Amen? God has more for you. He's not done with you. He wants to give you abundant life. Have courage. That means have heart. Have heart. So this is where we finish. 
And I want to ask you, if you're here today and you can honestly say, Pastor, I don't know if I've ever been made alive, fully alive in Christ. Today can be the day of your salvation. You don't have to pray about it. God has already declared he loves you and he wants you to be saved. You might ask, Pastor, what can I do to be saved? You surrender to him. You say, Lord, I believe your word that you are the son of God, Jesus, that you died on a cross in my place. You took my punishment for all that I've done wrong. And so, Lord, as I trust you took my punishment, I also receive your forgiveness. If you're here today, would you just have that conversation with the Lord? Lord, I'm ready to be made new. I'm ready to come fully alive in you. Lord Jesus, I confess that you are the Son of God. I put my faith in you and what you did on the cross of Calvary as you died for my sins. And you give me eternal life. I receive it today. From this moment on, I am fully yours and I am fully alive in you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, change me forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, I'd like to invite you to have communion with us. I want to talk to one more group of people. Maybe you're here today and you might say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer many years ago, but somewhere along the line, the, the toughs and the tumbles and the heartaches of life have discouraged me and I've been on the sidelines some, and I've just been kind of been waiting for glory. But no, I feel the Holy Spirit saying, I want to make you fully alive here and now. Because he's not done with you. He's not done with you. And if that's you, I'd just like to ask you to raise your hand as a declaration to the Lord. Not to me, to the Lord. I see hands going up all over this place. And I just want you to just pray the prayer that's in your heart. Lord, I give myself fully again to you. I want to be fully alive to serve you and to live for you. Father, thank you for your body that was broken. And Lord, we praise you for your blood that was shed on the cross that we might be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week.